This is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend J. Stuart Glover, and you're listening to Faith Talk. Through our dialogue together on this platform, we aim to draw relevancy, relevancy from the biblical text and bring clarity to our own religious experience. We invite guests to join in and share their sacred stories with us. Today we have invited as our guest, Michael E. Thomas Jr. And we're privileged to have him speak with us today. We certainly appreciate his willingness to share with us. And we're just gonna sit tight and wait for him to come on in. Now, again, I, I wanna say that I am greatly appreciative of of his uh, willingness to come in. So far on this, uh, in the, during the last few weeks, we've been uh, doing a series on an introduction to biblical thought. For those who perhaps have not even read the Bible, but they, they've drawn conclusions about the Bible, about God, based on what they have heard from perhaps from family members, or perhaps um, what they observe people do, doing, people that claim to be people of faith. And often what happens is that um, for some reason or another, people reject God based on what they hear and what they see people doing. Um, this is, this is a, a poor place to be when it comes to drawing conclusions about God, because we need to does, we need to have an encounter with God, and you don't get that from just what people tell you and what you've heard. But now, Michael, if you're if you're in the on the in the room, you can come on in. And again, we we thank Michael for being here. Michael Michael Thomas E. Thomas Jr. is the apostolic. Um, founder of the New Millennium Faith Church. And Michael, thanks for coming. Um, perhaps you can just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, good Sunday. It's a good Sunday. How are hey, you doing? Man. I'm doing well. Hey, thank you for having me on this Sunday. Um, I am a son of God. And um, I am been learning the course of living as a son practically. That's who I am. Now, he has blessed me to establish churches, our headquarters here in Loves Park, Illinois, and oversee 14 nations, um, orphanages, um, a couple schools. One, we are really excited about the, the, the college in Derry, Dubai, Dira, Dubai. Um, so when I talk about the things I've done, a little bit about who I am since 2007, um, when I be became born again. It's been at the privilege of understanding my King. And so this journey of learning how to become one of his ministers, one of his watch persons established in Nepal, when I, I call it being arrested by the kingdom in the fall, of 2007. Now, I have been 
saved, playing with Christianity since 1984, but it took the kingdom experience to transport me completely um, out of the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. And so before that, I was a police officer, um, actually the first uh, minority police officer in his village of Roscoe PD, and um, loved that job. That was a passion of mine and got to experience that profession and then became a, became an undercover agent in my former, at least going on in my former life. So um, I played football, um, professionally semi-pro ball, um, took a spinal cord injury and ended that career and was a business owner uh, from a detail company to a management and modeling talent agency. I'm a dad of six, five adults, um, and one 12-year-old who we were homeschooling. Um, husband to Jill Thomas, known, I call her my queen, since 1987. And God redirected our path a little over eight years ago. And so, it's like a, you come to a buffet and you, you eat at one table and this is what some of the journey's been about. And you eat at another table, this is what some of the journey's been about. But specifically since 2007, I have been carving out my attitude, my character, my morals, learning how to cooperate. And this is all true. So with me, um, it's all true. Learning how, who I am, through the experiences of becoming a son first. And in that experience has drawn me into right now. Um, so here we are, um, we're starting a radio station in two months time, uh, jump into the podcasting in the last 10 months has been a learning curve. So man is busy, man, this is who I am. And it's, I'm honored to just be here and sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes well, I get to the I, point where it's overwhelming. Well, no, I'm, I'm just, you know, as I looked at your, um, I took a peek at your website, I have your bio information here and I hear what you're telling me and it is a lot. It is a lot to hold of, but you know, in the hands of God, you can do all things, right? That's right. So, so I'm really, um, I'm gonna continue to pray for you and your ministry. I really like that uh, you said that you're carving out your attitude and character and morals and all of that because I don't think any of us can say that we've arrived where God wants us to be, but it's a, it's a continual path of growth and development. But let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Now, we've been, we've been doing a, yes, a series on introduction to biblical thought, primarily for those who have may, maybe never read the Bible. Maybe they've heard about mm. Jesus, they've heard about They've heard about God, and for some reason, up to this point, they've rejected God, the church, and 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 they um, they draw the conclusions based on what they hear and what they see people do. So, I want to ask you a question: Why is it important? Why do you? Why would you say it's important for somebody who's entertaining the idea of 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 looking into God to actually read the Bible? You there? Yeah. I'm asking you why. Um, why do you think it's important for folks to read the Bible? <laughs> I love when the enemy's attacking the internet. It's important. 
And you know why it's important? Because when you realize, when you spend moments by yourself, and you're not on television, you're not with your phone, you, you're just in your presence. There is a recognition that there's something greater than you existing on a higher level, higher plane. And so the importance of your creator, not talking about man-made business, I'm talking about when you place yourself on a beach, on a walk, on, on a road, a dirt road, in the middle of a forest, and it's just you with crea creation. I call it the nature of God. And when you're with the nature of God, it puts you in perspective to, maybe I should ask some questions. Where did this come from? Why am I here? We understand we're here because of our parents and all that that goes on. But the importance is when you are introduced to the presence of God and the presence being the person of God, when you're introduced to that very moment, that's the crossroads in life. That's when you must make the choice. Okay, do I, do I on the other hand, do I keep doing what I've been doing? maybe a little bit of success, maybe failure, maybe I'm just at the end of my rope, or this whole vastness of what I don't know, what I don't understand, but I'm, I'm in, inside of me there's something longing, and this happens to for everyone, and the only thing that changes that, Brother Glover, is this, thought and paradigms, handed down, handed down, and handed down, but when you remove all that, and my wife and I were just uh, in Orlando and we went to the beach and we spent time in the middle of the storm on the beach. We watched Father bring this massive storm approaching the coastline and then the angels took it north. And to be in that presence, to be in that power and the wind, think about this. The air that we breathe, you cannot see it, but you experience it. And the creation of the air that we breathe. This, I mean, when we break it down, because man can destroy the Bible faster than the writings of the next translations. But when you just experience God's presence, and I always talk, think about his air because we breathe his air. You can't talk to me about any atheist telling me, well, you don't believe the air you breathe, so stop breathing the air. Mm-hmm. How important is God for you in this moment, in the midst of world systems failing, crashing, deteriorating, spiraling, in the midst of cultures rising up against cultures and the dysfunctionality of cultures, and then the behavior patterns? When you stop un and unplug and just, just breathe and realize the air that you breathe, you cannot see it. You cannot taste it. You can taste the particles in it that come because of the toxins in the air. But when you're in the presence of God, and I say the presence of God, because I say this, brother, I say this a lot this year, prove God or die. And that thing is the exclamation. When you're in the presence of God, the importance of this moment that we find ourselves in, when we all come to the crossroads, I talk about on my radio show every night, when we all come to the crossroads of being captivated, encountering, engage, and experiencing the one-on-one -on -one presence of our Creator, it will stop everybody in your tracks and make you double think, double talk, this crossroads. And Amen. then the journey, the journey of faith, the journey of faith. And as you walk, do you know you can walk with Father and not utter a mere word 
and mm-hmm. you have been in the most pinnacle presence that you could possibly be because he knows every one of our thoughts before they ever leave our mouth. Mm-hmm. So the importance of God to that question is the crossroads. Will you take that first step? And the first step is the thought. The first step is never the first step, left the right foot, it's the thought. Do I believe that the rocks, the grass, the water, the mountains were created by some call them a source. I call them father. Some call them the universe. I call them father. When you experience so, that. So, 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 so you're, um, this experience that you talk about, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think that, you know, as we, um, you know, we, we know that there is a, what they like to refer to as the universal um, revelation of God's God's self-disclosure that comes through the beauty of the sky, that comes through the the beauty of nature, and we can we can see that, um, and we can experience that in His presence, as you've said. Um, but there's another thing that that happens personally within a person, and, and I think you've 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 talked about that already. That experience, that becoming a, an awareness that that God is not only there, not only far away, but God is within, and God is active. So mm-hmm. what, what then served as, the, you know, as your inspiration to do this wonderful ministry work that you're doing? What led you to be so involved in, in ministry? For me, the honest question is when I say God, I mean God. I was running. 2007, I was arrested by the kingdom in an Assemblies of God church, sitting up there. And if you've been in the Assemblies of God church, um, what God did for me was catch me at the intersection of life mm-hmm. and so being one that grew up not in religion and didn't not having the experiences of a reality but having the experiences of the words of a pastor and trying to live my life through the words of a pastor and never taking account for myself how to surrender and submit and learn what spiritual obedience is and, and learn what righteousness is. These are four four points that make a portal. And that's Psalms 24. And when you lift up your head because you're a gate, I'm getting off the tangent because I, when I talk about God, I get excited. I'm up here pacing in my lab. It's just really kind of, <laughs> I get excited because it's no longer a concept. He becomes a reality when you step into him. Mm-hmm. And so he arrested me at this Assemblies of God Church. I will never forget it. It's part of one of my series of, of testimonies in the seasons of life. And I fought it. I fought the call from Pastor Jeremy. He called us down Relationship Sunday to pray for the marriages. I happened to be on the first left side of the platform. It was this mixed couple, an elder. He was a deacon to the church. And I saw Pastor Jeremy coming over. And I'm like, oh, no, we're not doing all this. But I, I was telling my girlfriend at the time, no, I'm not doing this. I, right. I'm, I'm too cool for Christians. That was me. I didn't want to be around Christians. They drove me crazy. They were too, they were too superficial, too wanting to be holier than thou. This is what I was like. I didn't do drugs, didn't do crime or any of that stuff. I just, I was me. I was okay with me. And um, I lived a life of influence. And I was like, I'm not doing all that. So I got down there. And what he did for me through this man of God, 
who looked at me, began, got the mic from Pastor Jeremy. Pastor Jeremy backed up. I remember it's like I'm sitting right there in this moment, and he just stared at me. And I'm like, oh no. Because prior to this engage in this encounter, my grandmother told me that, Michael, God's going to use you mightily. When I talk about this, um, I, I dealt with severe depression. I dealt with suicide ideology. I dealt with hanging myself for the final time in my last moment of taking my life and hung on a noose in my garage and watched an out-of-body experience as they found me lifting up the garage and the, shri the shrieking cries and watching my master sergeant, my lieutenant, bring me down and cut me open and, and to begin cut my clothes off me and begin CPR. That was the first sign from my grandma who came up from Lawton, Oklahoma. Previous to that, after that, uh, the girlfriend at the time I was dating, she said, I'm supposed, to I'm supposed to marry a pastor. I looked at her and said, I'm not a pastor. I'll never be. So we may not be together. But this third encounter was my kingdom encounter. The, the elder deacon looked at me, taller than me, looked right at me square in the eyes and said, God's calling you to ministry. I knew right there, brother, that I was done. I had been running. I didn't want nothing to do with Christianity. I didn't want nothing to do with religion because I was, I was, I was okay where I was at. I was undone in that moment. And I knew when those words, and he, I don't even remember if he prayed for me. I remember me speaking to myself, Father, whatever you need, I'll do it. It was at that moment that following Monday, I went into Jer Pastor Jeremy's office. I said, something just happened to me. I can't explain it, but God's called me in the ministry. Jeremy looked at me and said, well, come in the master's commission and we can train you. I said, you don't understand, Jeremy. Something happened to me in that sanctuary when you walked away. And he's like, Michael, you got to follow God. I then went home, went to my bedroom and had a, have a global, had a global map, took one of my pens, closed my eyes and pinned on the map. The next day, I was planning a travel to Nepal, Kathmandu, the capital city, in the, in, the, in the basin of the Himalayas. It was there that I encountered my creator, our creator, as I was there for four days. On the side of the mountain, up the ravine, and if you've been overseas, and if you traveled overseas, these, our brothers and sisters drive crazy. But it was there in Nepal, and, and, the, and the cat skills, the cat mandu. And I, I, I can, I'm here, I can taste it, I can see it, I can feel it, I can touch it. It's like I'm re-experiencing it. So what happened to me in Nepal, out of all the places I could travel, Father said, we're going to Nepal. I said, okay. And I was so enthralled with what I heard. I was so captured, I was so in love with what I heard. For me and me only, a grown man, and love was who I cannot see, but I could audibly hear. And he looked at me on the edge of the tourist stop going up to the next village, north of Kathmandu. And he said, look down. Those seas of peoples where I'm taking you. And all I could see was visions of people standing next to me in leadership. I could never see their face. He would never allow me to see their face. But it's like the angel of the Lord that was present with me. Felt his presence. He was holding me up. 
because the wind was coming up up around the, the cavern on the side. It was really kind of interesting. And he was pointing his finger across the valley down there. And it was like seas of people. And then I heard this voice, brother, we're coming back up. We got to go. And he's been yelling for my name and I wasn't paying attention because I was so caught up with what I was experiencing with my reality with father. Well, this certainly, this certainly is a, um, an amazing life transformation, life transforming experience. Um, and when you said Nepal, it, 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 um, my, my antennas went up. I met a student who I'm a, I'm a university chaplain. I I met a student who was from Nepal and he showed me pictures. Matter of fact, I invited him to do a presentation to a group of his, uh, pictures from Nepal where he grew up on the Himalaya mountains. And he gave us like Mm -hmm. a tour of the, the the people living in the Mm -hmm. small numbers of people living on the mountainside and Mm -hmm. in in the Mm -hmm. villages. And it was, so I guess God really took you out of the busyness of life (laughs) in the city. Yeah. Yes. He had to take you away, take you away from your distraction so he could speak to you. He always does this. Every one of you listening right now, when God meets you, he'll meet you in a rural area of your life. He did it with Paul in the Nabataean Desert in the south of the Saudi Arabia. But think about your experiences when you experience Father. And for those of you listening, and like go back to your question, for those who are searching, wanting to know, is God real? Is Jesus real? What is this deal about God? And why, 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 why? And what do I have to gain? What do I have to benefit? When Father takes you, he has to take you out of something to make you something. So taking you out of the business, busyness of life is throughout the scriptures when you study the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That is, um, you know, the, the story that we find in, in the early church, the church, there were people who actually retreated out into the desert to, to get yes. away from the cor- yes. corrupt religion and politics in, in city life. And they yes. retreated, retreated out into the desert where they could be alone and develop their, grow in their faith and their encounter with God. So that's an exciting story about yourself. And, and I guess this, this, um, this transformative experience led you at some point to now do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven, as the scripture says. Mm-hmm. And, and so could you tell us a little bit about the ministries that you're involved with? Because it's really amazing. God, when I came back from Nepal, I didn't know anything about ministry. I didn't know anything about church. And a side note to all of this, I have a great uncle whose Bishop Prick ran from Rockford, Illinois to Memphis, Tennessee. I just learned this about six years ago. And the family on my dad's side of 11 aunts and uncles had no clue. So I'm carrying his mantle from a meeting in Morocco that I attended. And when I came back to Nepal, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, I had no, I had no focal point. There was no foundation of, okay, I needed to get into ministry school. I needed to contact Pastor Jeremy about master's commission because that was a higher learning of academia for theology and divinity. I didn't go there, Ralph. I remember what he said to to me intimately 
And so when I came back, I, I, I actually stole a Bible from a Bible, uh, from a church. It was sitting there and I would go to the church. It was the same as Sunday's God Church because they left the doors open. And back then, they left the doors open 24 hours a day. So I would find myself just walking and pacing in the sanctuary. And I took one of the Bibles and that Bible took me on a nine month journey of reading and asking God questions, not understanding what I was reading because I had no, I had no point of interest to, to foundation myself on. So Charlie McEwen, because back then was MySpace. If everybody who's old enough remembers MySpace and the inception of Facebook, Charlie McEwen, who became one of my first mentors. Um, I was posting, I guess, I guess you call it blogging, talking about my, my transition and God and people that knew me were like, you're talking about God all of a sudden. And I couldn't, I couldn't explain, I couldn't put into words then what I experienced in Nepal because I felt like I couldn't talk about the secrets that he shared with me. And Elder McEwen, Apostle McEwen, sent me a message. God sent me to you. And he mess. I have the message um, on my file, on my computer. I kept the message. And when he said God sent me to it, messed me up. I'm like, God, this is real. You actually send people? Like, I don't even know you. I, me I mentioned, I got him on the phone and he said to call me. He's in, um, he was in Dallas, Texas. And Brother McEwen began to pour into me and he said, don't get too big for yourself because I'll put you back in your seat. God has called me to you and I've been watching you. And that began the journey of ministry. And then God began to piece, little by little for me, ministers to send me an email, remember AOL, you got mail. And I was like, what in the world is going on? I told Charlie, Charlie, I am not, I am not these guys on television. I don't, I, I don't know anybody. I don't know anything about God and why is he sending them to me? And he said, return to the word that your grandma told me. So when I knew that he knew that my grandmother, God would use me mightily, I started to have my ears being pricked. And so these ministers from around the world and Charlie would, he gave me his testimony, one of his testimonies. And uh, Apostle McEwen helped Rod Parsley build his church. And he, he helped um, so many others that you know on television. He was behind the scenes. And I began to study. And so the first ministry, because there's nine months, I told you there's nine months. I literally was in my basement in the bathroom when I would travel back and forth to Chicago because we were commuting because of my business. He actually froze the business. I no longer could make income through my business. And so I would just drive, read, drive, listening to radio, which I'd never listened to. And it was trips from Chicago back to Love's Park where the Holy Spirit hit me, began speaking in tongues. Called a friend and said, you won't believe this, I'm speaking in tongues. And during the, these, are, these are important landmarks in my life. I have to talk about this because it, it helps to bring you into Foresight Ministries International. In December of 2007, when I came back from Nepal, the angel of the Lord said, your, your ministry will be prophetic and you will only be able to talk and teach about Jesus Christ. So it's for number four, 
CIT is the acronym, Christ I Teach. It's a prophetic ministry. It's a ministry to establish people in Jesus. That was the first ministry. That's what Charlie connected me with. And that growth and the connections. And then I started getting a big head because we moved to Chicago and downtown Chicago was the church on Michigan Avenue, 900, 900, 900 North. Right above a bookstore, third floor. And we had favor with the landlord. So we had favor there. That's where the ministry began. And the second assignment came. He said to me, find the church. So I'm like, okay, goofy me is looking for a church, but I didn't understand what he was saying. Name the church. I would talk to Charlie. Cause I would, it was really kind of cool because Charlie in my life at that time was instrumental. So the church on April Fool's Day, New Millennium Faith Church, training up the saints for the new millennial reign of Jesus Christ. More ministers are now flying to Chicago to meet with me. I, Charlie, I don't know what I'm doing. I am not these televangelists. And he said, Michael, just receive what God's doing in your life, but don't get a big head. Started getting engagements to go on smaller circuits around the Midwest. And my head was becoming massive because I'm in these green rooms and witnessing leadership in Christianity, not being who they were on television. And it blew my mind for a loop. I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. So I would go and, and do these small little conferences. And I would begin to start feeling myself. You know how you get to feel yourself when you a little bit of success? We've all have done this. So I begin mm -hmm. to feel myself. And in, me, in the middle of Foresight Ministries and New Millennium Faith Church and budding this together, Father shut me down for 40 days. And he said, if you get up, I will kill you if you get up out of this bed. And now I'm in a small area, Northwest Indiana, because he took me out of Chicago, literally closed income down. The church stopped advancing because I was traveling. I was getting a big head. I was, I was feeling myself. I'm, I'm this minister. Don't you know who I am? When I, when I come, you should honor me. Sounds mm -hmm. like something in the book of Luke. Mm -hmm. And it took that moment in the beginning of the church and the ministry and these ministers coming from the, um, Pakistan, India, Liberia, one of my spiritual sons is here in West Virginia, finally from Liberia, Zazeville. For 40 days, I could not move Brother Glover. I dared not get out the bed. I had to ask for permission to use the bathroom. That was my first fast. And then we took a trip to West Virginia, and then I heard on the beach, in, in Virginia Beach, Kingdom Apostolic Ministries Association. Okay, what is this? I'm now on the phone with Charlie. Charlie, what am I supposed to do with this? Do what God says, don't get a big head. Mm -hmm. Here's this next ministry to train up ministers because of what I was experiencing in these green rooms with ministers cussing, swearing, doing dumb stuff, but yet on television or in the conference, they were somebody totally different. So I was learning, I was absorbing. And then he took me to Morocco, Morocco, Indiana. And he sat me in Morocco, Indiana, a village of 300, and I was the only one. I am of Portuguese descent, African-American, North, 
North Africa, the continent. I'm, I'm, I'm dark colored. I call myself chocolate. In the middle of Whiteville, because my wife is white, so we have these honest conversations. And in Morocco, Indiana, I, I experienced my first hate crime as a former police officer. And having to endure that and the humility of a hate crime. So Kingdom Apostolic Ministries Association, I'm now in a rural setting. It was in Morocco where he blew up the kingdom of heaven for me. Signs, wonders, and miracles. It was my second mentor that Father sent to me, who was my, 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 my dad, my spiritual dad, Apostle Henry Blackwell. Now his last name is connected to my mom's side of the family, and I thought we were related, but we never had that conversation. So between my elders, Charlie, and my elder apostle Henry, who's from the north, the northwest side of Chicago. He was with me. He would drive to come visit me and we would slowly get back to the church because I was the overseer to New Millennium Faith Church, founded the church. I began to stress out and we were on the sidewalk and we had a conversation because we were looking for, to put the church back in Chicago, doing what God said not to do, mind you because I just had to be in Chicago because the Lord said move to Chicago and we moved to Chicago and now he moved us out and going back to Chicago. I'm gonna do what he said to do, but that never happened. We have not been back to Chicago since 2011. So Apostle Blackwell, Apostle Charlie began to instill in me humility. That you can't do the service of God with pride. Well, what I what I like what you're saying um, right now is that in, in, in your experience is that you had this, you know, God grabbed hold, arrested your spirit in your heart and your mind. And then um, as you as your life began to change, one thing that I like that you're saying is that you didn't reject yeah. the people around you, but you embraced the people that God sent into your life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you know, often, As I'm pacing often what happens is people have this experience and they think they don't need anybody else. It's just them and God. And, and actually, God, exactly. you know, when, when Paul had his experience, when he was blinded, when he opened up his eyes, the first person that he saw was somebody that God sent into his life. <laughs> yes, yes. You have to understand the sovereignty of our King and the sovereignty of our daddy, Abba Father. Because his will is his will and he will have his will done one way or the other. And so all of these organizations begin to form because he said to form them. And so they're not growing to what I saw in the conferences. Now it was like peculiar, like, Lord, there's, there's no movement here in the States, but look at all these nations. Now, I would have these conversations because I remember even walking through airports, having the phone to my ear and the phone not on, having a conversation with God. That's how crazy I was for God. And I am for God. I will sit and have a conversation thinking I'm having a conversation with, like with you. So the importance of this, for those of you listening, these are just testimonies in life. But my witness is God. Yes. I, I am literally no one on the radar scale. If you were to Google search me, 
No one but God. And so when you come to the crossroads, and I learned this and I am studying this, because yeah, I wanna, I wanna do things on my own, but see, then God brings you to the crossroads. Which way you wanna go? But if you go left, I'm gonna be with you, but you're on your own. But if you go right, right is the straight way. Right is due north, and I will lead you. And so every day or every other day, I have to come to the crossroads. And Paul talks about this, dying to self. And see, that's the crossroads. And so the concept of God has come a reality, a kingdom reality, because we're, we're to be in him and have our movement and our being. And the concept keeps you around him. But he said, no one can come to my father unless they come through me. And he doesn't want the children of God having a concept of Father, a concept of Jesus, a concept of the Holy Spirit. The power of God is phenomenal. Amen. So, so now, um, again, for somebody who, who feels as though that they, they feel a pulling towards God, and they feel another pulling away from God. What can they do? Babies crawl before they walk. Mm-hmm. I used to say run to God. But when you run to your creator, you will not see the rocks in the crooked path that he lays before you because he wants you to walk circumspect. But babies crawl for a reason. So they can get used to joints, muscle synapses, nerves, so that they can be trained how to get up and come to daddy, come to daddy. We've all done that for parents. Come to daddy. Come on, one more step. You can do it. You can do it. See how much more greater God. So when you crawl, you're focused on what? Your pathway. You're focused on what you're touching, what you're hearing. What you're seeing, your natural senses are now heightened in the realm of the spirit, your spiritual senses. So the crawl, for those of you who are like, mm, you don't understand, Michael, I've been hurt. You know, what I see is not what I what I understand. Whatever it is going for you, 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 you take the first step. The first step is the thought of surrender. When you truly want to know your creator, you have to surrender. If you don't surrender, you're going to take steps into confusion, apprehension, the spirit of fear is governing in different settings, so on and so forth. But the first thought is the first step, surrender. Well, what do I, what do I have to surrender? Surrender your mastery of your domain. Submit your body. So you're submitting your body, you're surrendering your mind. That's Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, Jesus says, all of you who are overworked and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. But you can't come to Jesus if you don't submit your body that's overworked, that's hit by affliction, sickness, illness. You can't surrender your mind that's over micromanaging, over analyzing, carrying the hurts. You and it's, it's not, you know, sometimes the, um, you know, what we've heard as, as children, 
or young adults, what we've heard about God is often not an accurate reflection of who God is. <laughs> and, you know, we, mm -hmm. we carry these embedded theologies from our youth on top mm -hmm. of the hurts that we experience in life. And, mm -hmm. and we have, you know, when I was a kid, I don't think that I saw God as someone who actually loved and cared for me. I was more conscious of the fact that, you know, maybe he's this celestial scorekeeper that's just waiting to pull the trigger and send me to hell for messing up in life. Ah, okay. So I think a lot of people are faced with this poor God construct that they've learned in their childhood. Yeah. And, and, and get stuck there and reject God and the church because of that. Or you have the paradigm of God's not in in our house. Yeah, I grew up in an affluent family. The only time I knew of God was on the Christmas Eve when we would have to sing happy birthday. Back then. And it's like my parents hid the fact that there was the higher existence of our living God. For me. And around me, I knew of God because of when I was playing baseball. The guys on the team, in our summer league team, they would take me to their church, Christian Central Church, Harlem Road Christian Church. So I would go to attend, but you would find me eating donuts in the upper row, falling asleep, because I had no, had no, I had no source of connection. So, yeah, it's what we are raised with, and that's why the different paradigms and dynamics of family attribute to what you believe now. See, it's world systems, world cultures, and world behavior patterns. So you take on the pathway of life and you're dragging with you systems, culture, and behavior patterns. And so that's your your prism of how you see God for many cases. That's how you see it's like Father is this diamond, a pyramid, a diamond, many sided. And so we take our history and we view God through history. I hear a lot of um, people on this wisdom app talking about, you know, through an atheist lens of, of um, you know, there is no God and I don't believe in God. And and I have to agree with them on one point. Mm. The, and that's this. The God that okay. they believe in, that they say they don't believe in, doesn't exist anyhow. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that they have a poor construct of... Yeah of God, what they imagine, who they think we're talking about. It's all uh, um, a distorted view of who God is. And we need to, um, as you said, submit to the will of God to try to get past what we've learned as children and tap mm -hmm. into the eternal. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many people will run to Hollywood movies. And I call them all demonic movies. But think about the movies that are being presented to you in Hollywood. Someone had a dream or a vision or an idea created from a spirit governing their environment. And so they're running and so they're mesmerized. So yeah, some of the atheist brothers and sisters um, on this mall of wisdom, they have a God and their God's lying to them. So I asked this question because I've had just a few encounters with the atheist brother and sister because they're more scientific based uh, in their in their theory. And so I go to creation with them. 
And I ask him, Laminin, you're a scientist, you don't believe in God, but explain to me Laminin. Explain to me the symbol of Laminin that we all carry. That is the the igniter. Like you took put a key in the ignition because we have an old car. We don't have the push button on the new cars yet. And you start the engine, the laminin. Scientists cannot understand when the light hits the egg and life is created in the womb because of laminin. Um, and so our atheist brothers and sisters, they weren't born atheists. That was a that was branded upon them. And so all these different mm -hmm. brandings, we live life off the brandings and the experiences. But you remove the brandings and what do you have? A vulnerable human being who's waiting for an encounter. What I like about what you said as you told your story was that you had this transformational experience, right? And here's the piece. Yeah. Here's the piece that it wasn't because of your wanting to serve God. It wasn't mm -hmm. because of your holiness or your righteousness, but it in mm -hmm. fact was a gift. Mm -hmm. And this gift is a gift that you embraced. Yes. Now, you could have rejected the gift, but as you said, God arrested your spirit. He arrested your mind. He arrested everything about you. And, mm -hmm. and, and you embrace this gift. So often what we, what we spend time doing is resisting the gift yep. instead of embracing it. And we end up, you know, king self on the throne and we, we miss out on what God has for us. I mean, the, the, the words of the prophet said, God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to, to prosper you and give you a future and a hope, hope and a future. Right? Yes. So, yep. so we, we don't see that in God. We see something else. We see somebody, we have a distorted view of God as opposed mm -hmm. to one who wants to dwell within us and prosper us, um, you know, in all ways. See, God is complex. Creation is complex, but it's simplistic in this one deal. Yielding. Yielding. When we yield to who we can't see, when we yield, then that begins the transaction, the transition, the transaction and the transition. See, brother, I, I, I hope I'm doing okay. I, I don't mean to be rambling on because I, I, I asked, I had to ask, you know, Father, what, what do I say? I don't want to come across from a theological blueprint, but I want to come from whatever you give me to share in this moment, because look outside your window, go for a drive, go and talk in your fellowships, and there's just trouble on the horizon. Trouble's on the horizon, but greater is he that is in us right? I believe the words of the scriptures. I just chose to believe in one of my apostle Tim Smith. I had a, a meeting with him. I haven't talked to him over nine months. We have been like brothers since 2010. He said, go with God. But he also would tell me over the, the period of our relationships, Michael, you have an advantage. You didn't grow up in religion. You just said yes to God. And I said, what else do you want me to do? 
what else would you have me to do? I wouldn't want it any other way when God is arresting you. See, as a police officer, when I pull you out of the squad car and place you under arrest, you have one or two choices. You can be surrendered to the law enforcement who's arresting you for filling a blank, or you can fight and want to flee. But at some point, the police agency is going to catch you. So there was a warrant for my arrest in Father's kingdom, and he caught me, and I, I surrendered. That's how I look at this. So when I give teachings, when I am sharing in different settings, here's the Bible, but for me, I, I get people activating. I get people to see, the, it says, faith without the corresponding works is known as what? Dead faith. I believe that. If you're not applying faith, work to your faith. If you're not applying yourself to the words to and, and learning how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but yet then you have this question that you asked me that uh, this that's playing over in my mind because there are many on this that are questioning, is this real? Well, prove God or die. Prove God or die. And so what I have learned is the world wants God. They don't want a concept. Many of our churches overseas on the continent of Africa tell us, just show us, show us Jesus, Michael. Show us Jesus. And how do we show them Jesus when we're in a concept, being around the thing, which is vastly different from being in the thing? I don't mean to call our Savior a thing. He is not a thing. In him, we have our movement and our being. So my wife will tell you, when I teach, I slow down. Two years ago, the Holy Spirit, in the middle of the plague vacation, he said, slow down. So when you're reading scripture, slow down. Study a scripture like you're a child, as like I am talking to you. Slow it down so that you give time for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing. He is supposed to be all of our teachers, according to the records of the Gospels, Jesus' words, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. So when you slow down your tongue and you begin to speak slow, and just say this for an, an, an activation of practice, I am a carrier of the 100% essence of Father's glory in the Holy Spirit. I carry the Holy Spirit in my heart. I carry the Holy Spirit in my heart. When you repeat that as many times that you need to ground that into your soul, you're going to see yourself walking through transformation because of the power of words hitting the atmosphere. Science comes into work. See, protons and neurons in the atmosphere, when it's cold air, less germs in the atmosphere. But when it's humidity, you have all these molecules. And so the power of God in us, coming out of us through words, I am a carrier of the Holy Spirit. I'm so sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. But no, I that's fine. When you're, when you're talking about this mall of wisdom, this vastness of intellectuals and those who want to be intellectuals, so I kind of don't worry about all the wannabes. But people are searching for truth and we are supposed to be people of light the scriptures reveal to us and the earth shall 
is waiting for the creation and the manifestation of the sons of men. So the earth, the rocks, the water that has a curse on it, right? The mountains are waiting for the manifestation of those who are supposed to take the knowledge of Father's glory into the earth. I am a carrier of the Holy Spirit. See, I don't have to bring out all my degrees and certificates to tell you about God. You have enough of that. But if I show you on the mountaintop, we're supposed to be light. And then Father sends some of us down into the valleys for what? So light attracts light and they'll follow you back up to the mountaintop. See, the, 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 the lamp is supposed to be on the top, but too many have their lamps in the valley, never wanting to climb to the top where we are supposed to be abiding at the top. I am a carrier of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in God, but perhaps you are persuading me to believe in God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're in, we're in, we're in seasons of judgment. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 24, and lawlessness will increase when he is warning of a certain generation that would usher in tribulation. I believe that we are the generation that will be ushering in Jesus. We already know mm -hmm. the seasons, but we won't know the day and the hour. And Jesus gives us, don't fly in winter and on the Sabbath. Study your scriptures accurately. Mm -hmm. So let me say this now. I, um, I, you, do, you know, you asked me how you were doing. You, you said, I hope I'm doing fine. You are doing fine. I, I, uh, you're doing exactly what I, I was hoping that you would do which was Thank share you. from your experience with God, your encounter with God, as opposed to giving us a theological lecture. Yeah. So, so you, you gave us your, um, your experiential um, testimony, which is powerful. There's a, there's a power in our testimonies when we just share what God has done, you know, experientially in our lives. And that's what you've done. I just want to ask you one, one, one more question. Um, we got, we yes, got a couple of minutes left. Um, I see okay. on your bio that you spent some time in San Diego. Yes, sir. I was there a couple of years ago. And, you know, it was okay. my first time there. I, went, I took a group of students down to see what was going on at, um, at you know, where Tijuana meets San Diego. Um, yes. At, at, the, at the wall, as they say, at the border. And we were studying. Yes. We were there for a week studying the complexities around the the border issues and and uh, some of the inhumane things that happened there, and and it was a really a life changing experience. So, just mm -hmm. wanted to mention mm -hmm. that to you. Yeah. What would it be like when the church would open its doors? So, this is the topic, the fat elephant in in the room right now. I mean, there's so many fat elephants on this country. It's not even funny. I was church because my family doesn't support anything that I do in the kingdom. They, they don't recognize the kingdom because they're so staunched in the religion. Right. Dad, what would it be like if your 3,000 capacity church would open up its doors to every one of these brothers and sisters who are coming to this, Mer this America nation that has built itself on and projecting. When I go overseas and I, I hear, come to America, land of the rich, land of the home, land of the free. And so you have people being in different settings. So, Tijuana, 
you have what looks like tollways and they come and they do a checkpoint and they open up the roof they do all this stuff into the vehicle with a magnetometer that goes underneath the vehicle make sure there's no bombs looking we're also looking for drugs but what happens when the church opens its doors and starts locking its doors and says brother come here and as you come we're going to pour natural love and spiritual love upon you but no you stay on your side we don't need you here this is our land but it's not your land mm -hmm. see it's the creator's land who owns all things so what would happen if the church would be an example of jesus for the soldier coming through and what would happen if they would come to the church to be saved and born again and help and expand, I guess, legally, because the church would then help to facilitate legal documentation mm -hmm. because it carries a 501c3. So I, we're up against time, but what would happen when the church becomes the church of Jesus Christ and the bride of Christ? That's the prayer. That's my prayers. You know, so one of the most horrific things that I saw down in San Diego was, you know, there's a group, there's a wonderful ministry down there called the Border Angels, where they go out into the desert and they do water drops and food along these yeah. desert, desert passages that people travel through trying to come here. And um, there's another group of people that call themselves patriots and, and, and religious, this and that and the other. And they go out and they slice open the bottles of water so that the water bleeds out. And that the, and, and as a result, there's men, women, and children and infants that die yeah. in the desert. So, so yeah, the, the, the evil that um, is in the hearts of men is, is um, it's a terrible thing and it's far reaching. And San Diego just kind of opened that, um, opened my eyes to the realities of the struggle mm -hmm. at the border. Mm -hmm. And the people coming across mm -hmm. those, some of them are traveling 1200 miles at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and you know yeah. so I I um I, I want to now before we get out of here where can um before we close this out where can somebody just you know look up your church if they want to find more information or hear more about your ministry where can they find you? Well, um, you could find New Millennium Faith Church. Um, we're here in Northern Illinois. Um, you can just Google search. Uh, I, I'm in more so Night Moods HQ because that's our radio station. But you can email directly to connect at New Millennium Faith Church uh, if you want to call and, and, and get more information of what, it, what it's like living as a kingdom son, a kingdom daughter. 779-207-2087 is that number. Uh, we'll help you with resources for wherever you are at. I mean that. Um, my passion is to see people liberated out of religion to become daughters and sons. That's my passion. Put my mm -hmm. degrees down. Put my certificates down. That's my passion. It's just time. Amen. 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 I like that. Um, I think that we need to be the, the body of Christ, hands and feet of the Lord in action in this world to make it a better place. Um, as opposed, you know, I believe that God has entered into our struggle and gives us the gifts that we need and it empowers us with the Holy Spirit that dwells within to do what needs to be done. But but we uh, we resist those gifts and we resist using those gifts. And as Michael said, what would it be if the church opened its doors? You know, when I was in San Diego, I slept on the floor of a church for a week and I witnessed um, a, a, a really a struggle. 
and and um, I hope to be able to to contribute to um, making that struggle a little bit a little bit better, easier, as they say. So, Michael, I want to thank you for coming on. Please keep in touch. We, I, you know, I have your email. Um, please keep in touch, and perhaps you can come back on someday and, and spend some time with us. Um, again, we thank you for coming out, and please stay in touch. I'm going to sign off now with with. Um, just a word of encouragement for those folks who may have never even read the Bible. Or how about you start out by just closing your eyes and, and pray to the God that created you. Talk to, talk to him and, and hear from him. And then, you know, um, you can pick up a Bible. Michael expressed that he had a, uh, a nine-month, I think it was a nine-month journey when he picked up his Bible and, and he received a, God's self-disclosure through the Word of God—that's good. So it's it's a it's a, a theological understanding, but it's also a experience. God is the God of transformation, who changes people's lives and brings you out of of sorrow into joy. So having said that, God bless you, and I hope to to be with you next week at this same time. And I thank um, Michael for coming on, Michael E. Thomas Jr. He's the apostolic founder of the New Millennium Faith Church for CIT Ministries International. We thank him for sharing with us. And now you can, uh, if you want to see this again, you can or hear it again. You can visit my website, which is www.reverendjstuartglover.com. You can uh, hear it on YouTube. If you come onto the website, um, you can leave me a voicemail there. You can. Uh, Send me an email. You can sign up as a, a register to be a guest on the show. What we like to do is to bring people on to share their experience, their religious experience. We do some Bible training. Uh, we're doing a series, the Introduction to Biblical Thought. We do that, but we also like to invite people on to share their actual experience and encounter with God. So somebody else might be encouraged by what they hear. Thank you for listening. God bless you and I'll see you or hear from you next week. You have been listening to Faith Talk, and I certainly thank you for being a part of our listening community. I must remind you the theological views of any of my guests are not always reflective of my own opinions and theology. However, we intend to allow people freedom to let their voice be heard and share their experiences with God, with our listening audience. I would like to thank our guests today as well as the people around the world who have joined in as part of this listening community. Please visit the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com and leave your comments on these episodes which are open for your criticism and comments. You can also register as a guest on the show and contact me directly by email. Thank you for listening and being part of our community. God bless you.